Good morning, Community Church, and good morning to those of you who are online. Good morning. Um, let us pray as we begin this time together. Oh, Jesus, oh, King of Kings, you, you are just wonderful and precious. And you love us so much. And we are so grateful to be in your presence, that you have invited us into your presence. And for that, we say thank you. Thank you for your great love for us. Receive our praise now as we sing songs and we pray and we praise your holy name. Amen. 
Good morning, church family and friends online. Would you stand um, if you'd like to and to join us today as we lift our hearts to the Lord and just worship him, the King of Kings.
want to share that as we were choosing the music this week, um, sometimes God has a way of speaking to us in uh, unusual ways. And uh, this week, I didn't choose this next song. It wasn't my suggestion. Um, Erica, Erica suggested it. And it's Great Are You, Lord. And it talks about this darkness and giving light. And the words of the chorus are... It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. We pour out our praise. And as many of you know, I'm pregnant, and I have an app on my phone which tells me the development of the baby. And this week, yesterday, when I opened the app to see what is the new thing this week that the baby is developing and God is working at creating, it was saying, this week, your baby's lungs are developing, and it will help it to breathe when it comes and then we came to practice this song and it just had a whole new whole new meaning for me and i think while that's my story i think sometimes worship songs that are so familiar can also have a new meaning for us if we're open and so let's just pray that god opens our hearts to even as we hear things, even as we read things today that may be just familiar Bible passages, words of songs that we're so used to, maybe God has something new and fresh to say to us to remind us of his goodness, his greatness, his creation, his um, unfailing love for us. So God, would you open our hearts that we would hear from you you open our ears so that we can fully listen and give us minds, God, that we would fully understand. God, would you come and speak into us in a new way this morning? We know that your mercies are new every morning. And there is so much that we have yet to learn. There's so much we have yet to discover about your heart, about who you are all that you do for us. So God, Holy Spirit, come into this place. Fill us today. You give life. You give
church. Your voices sound great this morning. Uh, good morning. We're so happy to have you here. And I just invite you now to pass the peace of Christ to one another. Those of you online, please pass it virtually um, in the comments section. And then Shine Kids, you are free to go to Shine. And Spectrum Youth, there is Sunday school for you as well. So please head to the Spectrum Room. Good morning, Community Church. Good morning. Good morning to those of you who are online with us. Ah, oh, our God is good, isn't he? Yes. Amen. Amen. The King of Kings. The King who loves us so much. The King of the, our hearts, but also the King of the world. He is here with us this morning. The Holy Spirit is here with us this morning, working powerfully in and amongst us, ministering to us. So we thank you, Lord, that you are such a good, good God. Peace of Christ to you, to all of you. Normally when I do the announcements, I don't have the opportunity to go around and say hi to you, but peace of Christ to all of you. And um, if you are... Um, visiting us for the first time this morning, whether here or online. Just wanted to say welcome. So glad that you could join us this morning, and we would love to connect with you. And to allow us, um, to help us connect with you, please do scan the code and just follow the prompts. And we, Pastor Wade and I, look forward to reaching out to you and get to know you a little bit more. So we look forward to that. And also, um, we... We serve our King um, in so many ways. And um, at Community Church, we also give um, our tithe and offerings um, as one way that we serve our King, that we love our King. Um, here are several ways that you can give. And if you have any question at all, um, do approach us at the welcome table outside um, after the service. Very happy to help you there. And um, take note that... Um, our Contemplative Practices Gathering is coming up um, Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday at 7.30 p.m., Robin um, leads that. I don't know if Robin is here because I can't see behind the pillar. Is he here? Yeah, okay. So he's right behind this pillar. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, encouraging you to come. It'll be about um, an hour and a half. And, um, you know, it's really an invitation to slow down, to be still, um, to be in the presence of God and let God speak to you. Sometimes, you know, so many noises out there in our lives, in here, in our heart, and we, we get distracted. So do come. Do come and really have a time of um, just being with God and in God's presence. Um, also, um, Shine Kids Ministry, we need teachers. Here, you can see um, what it might require once a month uh, for one service. Um, and, uh, you know, um, what is the qualification? With your love 
to God and kids. So um, if you have questions at all, um, do speak to Connie, um, or you can um, speak to myself or Pastor Wade. Um, we, need, we urgently need three more teachers, but we can have more than three. So, you know, um, pray about it and you feel God's leading um, in your heart to serve in this ministry. Talk to us. Okay. It is a very beautiful and precious and important and critical ministry in the church. Ah, okay. And we, so we've been talking about outreach development. So, you know, again... We serve our king in so many ways, you know, um, yes, through, through our finances, but also through um, our time. And um, sometimes we cook, sometimes we talk to um, the elderly. There's so many ways um, that we can serve. Um, but we also want to continue to listen to God and to discern, like, God, what else? What else on your heart that we haven't heard about or that we don't know? And so we are praying that God will show us what this could be. Um, other ministries, um, other causes that we can be part of. And so we want to hear from you as you pray about this, um, what might be something that you think we as a church could uh, put our resources to. So um, we will have a briefing on the 29th of January after the 11.30 service. Um, do sign up for the briefing um, by scanning the code. Again, any questions you have about this, you can um, talk to Kevin, Phoebe, Pastorway or myself. We look forward to walking together and to serving together. And um, talking about outreach, so we, next up we're going to have um, a sharing um, of updates and upcoming plans by um, Dr. Paul Wong from Haven of Hope, uh, one of our ministry partners. Let's, um, let's listen to what he has to say. Okay. Dear brothers and sisters of Community Church Hong Kong, greetings from Haven of Hope Sister and East Coast Holistic Care Center. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the unfailing support to our chaplaincy service all along. I'm glad to take this opportunity to share our center's recent words. Under the pandemic, we have been striving to maintain regular inpatient care service to frail elderly and patients at their end of life, as well as home care support service to patients in the communities. By implementing flexible and timely visiting policy, we facilitate the visitation of family caregivers and arrange family gatherings for them to spend quality time with residents in order to reduce regrets. We also help residents to keep close communication with their loved ones by arranging video care service when frequent visits are not allowed during the upsurge of the pandemic. Spiritual care service team conducts individual care to patients and small group activities on the same floor or same room to protect our frail elderly. Zoom training and sharing to churches, volunteers, and carers have been used in order to maintain life and death education to the communities. In early 2022, we are pleased to launch a new service called End of Life Care in RCHD, that is, Residential Care Home for the Elderly, under the Jockey Club End of Life Community Care Project. A special team of nurses and social workers is formed to provide specialist palliative care service to residents of currently 12 government-subsidized elderly homes in Kowloon East. Loving care and human touch are important to our centre-bound patients. Therefore, volunteer work has been resumed step-by-step, step, especially individual visits and small group activities, which Vicky and some young brothers and sisters from the church had also participated. 
Due to the recent citywide relaxation of infection control policy, Hong Kong is walking towards the new normal. We expect the infection control measure will further be lessened, and therefore, more different forms of volunteer activities could be resumed in foreseeable future. We welcome CCHK to form small singing groups, to conduct regular hymn singing in work, or organize large-scale festival celebration activities when the pandemic further stabilizes. Since we launched our service in year 2006, more than 2,600 patients and their family members have been benefited from the quality service, and many of them were also able to come to or renew their faith in Christ, finding peace and also hope in their last journeys on earth. Praise to the Lord. However, Hong Kong's rapidly aging population has created a high demand for high-quality rehabilitation, long-term care, as well as palliative care services. The Haven of Hope Christian Service Board decides that it is now the opportunity and good time for the centre to plan for large-scale service expansion in meeting future service needs. In responding to God's calling and achieving the mission for the glory of God, we need Community Church Hong Kong's continuous support and unceasing prayers. Let's embrace the last journey with love. Thank you. Thank you, Heaven of Hope, for all that you are doing. And thank you to our volunteers here who have actually been part of this uh, wonderful ministry. And if, if you feel your heart um, stirred, you know, as Dr. Paul was talking, do come and talk to us and see. We can see how you can be part of this. Let us now go into a time of prayer. Almighty God, we give thanks that we are gathered here this morning as your family. How great and wonderful is your love for us. How precious is your mercy and your compassion for us and for the world. You are worthy to be praised and it's been so wonderful to keep praising you in, during our, uh, our singing just now. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of our worship. You make wonderful promises and we can trust your promises because of who you are. You are faithful and powerful. You are not a God who loves, but who is powerless to act. You created this whole world and everything in it. You ordain times and seasons, and you are the ultimate ruler of this world. Above all powers and principalities, above all governments and institutions, there is no authority in this world, whether for good or for bad, that is not finally accountable to you. And we praise you for that, for your love and for your care. And you will, that you will not let our brokenness have the final word, nor will evil have the final say. You, pr you promise us that this world will be renewed and we will be renewed. You promise a world ruled by a perfect ruler who rules with mercy and justice. And we can have complete confidence in your promises including the promise that one day we will see our Lord and Savior face to face in glory. And we praise you that you are faithful to all your promises, that no one, nothing can stand in the way of your promises coming true, even when people and the evil one seek to obstruct your plans, you use their evil to bring your plans to fulfillment. And we can trust you. And knowing that, with that in mind, we now pray for the needs amongst us and in the world. You tell us that we 
are to pray for those in authority. And so we pray for the leaders of the nations and for the governments of the world and of Hong Kong. Your heart, God, is to see your, your, your authority exercised for the good of people and societies. And we pray, may your will be done. We pray against war and violence and oppression and abuse of all kinds. Lord, you are of shalom. You are shalom. May your will be done. God, we pray for our own congregation. We pray for members who are in need. You know what those needs are, physical needs, um, needs in our family or at work, spiritual needs. And we pray, especially for those um, in our midst who are battling all kinds of illnesses, cancer. God of healing and provision, please come and meet us. God, we also pray for the ministries of this church. We thank you for all the opportunities that are afforded to us. And we pray that these ministries will bear fruit for your name's sake. Help us to put you in the center in everything we do. And God, we pray for your church around the world. We pray for unity and for the growth of your gospel in the lands of the world. Thank you that we are able to reach your word as easily and readily as we are. And we pray for those who can't, those who are persecuted, those who cannot go public in their faith. And God, we pray for Christians, your believers, this body of Christ in Hong Kong, that we would grow in our love for you and the things that you care about. We pray that we would reflect well the Lord Jesus Christ to those around us. And finally, we pray for Pastor Wade as he brings us a word this morning. May you empower him to preach that word that you have for us. Um, and may you also prep our hearts, open our hearts, so that we are open to receive what you have for us this morning. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. you all today. It's good to be with you. As you can see, we are on the doorstep of Chinese New Year. Doesn't the sanctuary look great? Thank you, Vicky, for making this happen. And uh, I came in on, I think it was Friday, and I was like, wow, it looks so good in here. And uh, so it's fun to begin the celebration of Chinese New Year and to, to be in community and do that. So good morning, church. We are in the third week of our Bigger Table series. This idea that the table is Jesus's table and he invites us to it. Week one, Brenda and I talked about the incarnation is the foundation for inclusion, that Jesus becoming flesh is the invitation to us to be a part of what he is doing and to invite others. We talked about the bigger table reflecting the heart of Jesus and yet is a threat to the establishment. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And then last week, Pastor Brenda talked about Jesus being all you need to come to the table. So similar themes each week here about this bigger table, Jesus's table, and our invitation and the invitation we can give to others to experience this gospel that we talk about today. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 9, and the verses will be on the screen. And just to give you some context for where this is happening in Matthew's gospel, 
we actually get to hear about Matthew in his own gospel today. He writes of his own calling by Jesus. And Matthew arranges his account, putting his calling in the midst of three healing stories, where Jesus raises a girl from the dead, where Jesus heals a blind man, and where Jesus heals a paralyzed man. Matthew puts this story of his own calling And so I want you to listen to the gospel today with that perspective. Why does Matthew put his calling here? Now, some of the verses we're not getting to, in the midst of these healing stories and Matthew's calling, Jesus talks about the new thing that he is doing, his new creation, his new work, his kingdom. And he talks about it in terms of a new cloth. You don't attach it to an old garment. Or new wineskins instead of old wineskins. He's letting the people know that he is doing something new. So let's hear about that new thing today, starting in Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. God, I pray that this morning as we have been worshiping you, that we'll continue to worship you as we unpack this important story you've given us in the Gospel of Matthew. May we have ears to hear, God. May our hearts be open to what your Spirit wants to communicate to each and every one of us. In your name, amen. So Matthew was a tax collector, And if you were a tax collector in the ancient world, or or maybe even today, um, you were not a liked person. You were not the people, you know, that somebody wanted to hang out with. You were despised in in that time. um, They were seen as people that had betrayed their own people. They were collaborating with the Romans. They were doing the Romans' bidding, and one, they would take the proper taxes, but they might also take extra on top of that to be bribed. So think what it would have been like for Matthew, despised by those around him, sitting in his little tax collector booth. It's very hot. There's no AC, right? Not probably a very fun existence. And here comes this guy, this young prophet, There's a bit of buzz around him. There's people that are following him. And he comes to you specifically and says, come, follow me. Come, follow me. And let's have a party in your house. What would that have felt like for Matthew to hear those words, to experience that hospitality? It says in verse 9 that Matthew got up and followed him. The, the word here, got up, is also used as the word to rise up, or he arose on the third day. I think Matthew picked this word specifically for him 
This was a healing for him. This was really a resurrection for him. This was an invitation into new life. And he lets us know about it right here. Jesus gives Matthew a seat at the table, not just tolerating him, not just making space so he can be there. He invites him. He welcomes him. He lets him know that he is welcome and has a party at his house. Now think, for me, when I was in uh, a teenager, I went to a new school. And it's sort of that fear, if in the U.S., especially so, and you see it on the movies, where you're walking into the lunchroom for the first time and you're trying to find your place. Where do I fit in? Where do I belong? Um, will people make space for me? And then you have somebody actually invite you. They see your condition, right? They decide to extend that welcome. They decide to maybe inconvenience themselves a little bit, taking a risk to invite you to their table. And this is, in fact, what Jesus does. He makes space for Matthew. Not just here's a seat, but he welcomes him and makes him feel welcomed. Now, the leaders, the Pharisees, bring their judgment. Why is he doing this? They had their own idea of who should be at the table, who should be invited, who should be welcomed. They had their judgment, and we probably have our own judgment. Who should we invite? Who should we keep away from the center of what God is doing here? But again and again, we see Jesus in contrast to that. We see his heart. We find him breaking the traditions and breaking the norms in order to tell people about the new work that he is doing. And what's, what happens after this invitation? Matthew throws a party, right? This is the natural response to God's invitation is to celebrate it. And we see them celebrating they were in the middle of God's new work, his new creation, that new creation that we've been talking about, that overlap between heaven and earth time and time again, where God's mercy and grace is upending the work of the temple itself as he brings his gospel, as he brings his good news. Now, verse 13 is a curious one here. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus is quoting Hosea 6, 6, where Hosea says, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God, rather than burnt offerings. So why was Jesus sacrificed if God isn't looking for sacrifice, rather mercy? We're not going to unpack that one today. That's its own sermon. And we're going to hit it in Lent, where we have this Lenten series called Cruciform, this cross-shaped life, how the cross changed everything. But just make a note of that. We're coming back to that. But clearly, things were changing. New creation is there. His kingdom is present and is at hand. And Jesus invites us into that new work. The question for the people around him, the question for his disciples, the question for the religious leaders, and the question for us is, do we want to partake in that new creation? Do we want to partake in what Jesus is doing? Or heaven is overlapped with earth, or do we want to pull back and go to what we know is familiar and comfortable? 
into our own kingdoms, into the kingdom of the world. We see Jesus again and again pressing forward. And this is what the gospel is itself. Gospel is one of our core values, being gospel-focused, and this is what's on our website. The gospel or the good news is the proclamation that Jesus Christ crucified and risen. He stands at the center of our faith, that he went to the cross, and we're going to, again, talk about that in Lent. What does that mean for us? And that he rose. He is Lord and King of the world, and he has broken the dominion of sin and evil over humanity and the world. He was victorious over these things, and he is bringing redemption and transformation to individuals, not just individuals. This is not just a personal salvation, but to every sphere, system, and structure in the world. Systems that are geared towards maybe greed and profit at the expense of human flourishing are going to be redeemed. Every structure in the world making some things new, making a little bit new, no, making all things new. As his church, we're called to proclaim this good news of Jesus Christ in every way. Our being, speaking, and doing. So this redemption and transformation is holistic. It's not sort of, you know, redeeming my little private life and, and just having my little quiet time with God. Those those are important, but that's very small about what God wants to do. He wants to redeem everything, our entire lives, this whole world, our being, our character, our hearts, our minds, our speaking, what words come out of our mouth, how are we communicating and are doing? How are we living? Are we doing good? Are we taking part of what God wants us to be about? Are we his hands and feet in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces. This story shows us that Jesus is about these very things. It probably cost him reputation amongst the religious leaders. In fact, it begins to bring opposition to what he is doing. But that's okay, because he knows what he is about. Jesus gives Matthew a seat at the table. He includes him. The Pharisees were like, you know, the bouncers of the day, the religious establishment bouncers who should be in and who should not be in. And I used that word our first week that we have church bouncers today deciding who should get in and who should not. Well, the early church did as well. We read in Acts 15 that they were wrestling with this very thing after Jesus had left and sent his spirit what does this mean for this time? And we see they wrestle with the very definition of the gospel. So we get to Acts 15, and there's this disagreement in the church. What practices, what things has God given us in the Old Testament that, that Jews are supposed to do? How many of those things do the Gentiles have to do? This was important to them. Acts 15, one theologian says it this way, it's no exaggeration to say that Acts 15 is the most crucial chapter in the whole book of Acts. After this chapter, we hear very little of the church in Jerusalem. This council of Jerusalem is called to deal with this, this challenge. We see actually very little of this council or Peter after this account. And so this is what they were wrestling with, Acts 15. 
certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Verse 8. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did us. See, the council agreed that we shouldn't be putting up barriers to the Gentiles. We shouldn't try to keep people from discovering who Jesus is. These important laws and rules that we were given by God are not applying to them because it keeps them away from the gospel, and the gospel is the key thing here. So they agreed that they wouldn't put up these barriers. We see um, Paul and Peter wrestling with this very issue in Galatians, and Paul is telling us about that challenge. Verse 11, he says, When Cephas came to Antioch, that's Peter, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. See, Paul confronts Peter, this very sort of harsh confrontation, because it centers on the gospel itself. Peter wants to keep these traditions. He's afraid of those in power. He's maybe afraid to, to be bold in this. He kind of wants to pull back to what he's used to, to what is safe. And Paul confronts him on this, saying these things are not required of the gospel. God has already shown us this. He has accepted the Gentiles. He has given them their spirit. And he says in verse 16, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ. So we too have to put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Gospel focused. We see Jesus breaking into new ways of sharing his love, inviting everybody to that table. We see the early church wrestling with this. What does that mean to be gospel-focused? We had our kids here over the holidays, and it was great. And, and Maya was, loves rugby. Unfortunately, her school in the U.S. does not have rugby. But um, they had a New Year's Day tournament that she was able to participate in. And so I went down there to watch her to play. And somebody took this photo of her. And I don't know how well you can see it, but, but she's right here. And she's got this, she's tackling this person. And she just looks so intense. And it's like Maya was made for rugby, right? She just loves it, and you know she throws herself into it and, and doesn't mind sort of the, the physical impact of that. After her match, the under-18 boys played, and we had a friend who was playing, and their, their son was playing, and I was stayed and watched the game, and about five minutes into the game, their son collapsed on the field, and we couldn't see what had happened, and I was sitting with the parents, and they rushed down there with the medics to, to make sure, you know, well, one, to figure out what was going on. And, you know, they were concerned and, and sort of the whole stadium was concerned. And it turns out he, he was okay. 
Um, but the very next day, I was watching American football. And I love American football, and I know that there's not many here that do, but some of this news reached people that were not American football fans. And so the news story, and I was watching the game, one of the players um, collapsed on the field during the game itself. He had a cardiac arrest, and the medics rushed on, and they're giving him CPR on the field for about 20 minutes. Eventually, an ambulance comes and um, whisks him away. And we see the players kneeling and praying. We see the whole sort of stadium in a hush, not knowing you know, what was going on exactly, but being concerned about the state of this player, Damar Hamlin. And the, new, the, the television coverage just kept going on, and the fans stayed in the stadium for about two more hours until everybody decided there's no way they can go on playing. They didn't know if Damar Hamlin would make it or not. Now, I find myself, in the days that we're following, several times a day, looking for updates on Damar Hamlin. Did he make it, right? Was he conscious? Um, was he getting better? And again and again, I found myself concerned for him and eventually felt relief and joy that his condition had stabilized, that he was out of ICU. Then he began to speak and began to move around, and I found myself connected to him, and I had to ask myself why. I never had even heard his name before. I'm not a fan of the Bills, the team that he plays for. I'm a fan of the Niners, who won their playoff game this morning, by the way. And yet, I had seen him, so I was concerned for him, and I was reminded what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all parts are glad. And he's talking about the church here, but we can be concerned for somebody's suffering because we have experienced and we have seen what they are going through. See, compassion fuels our motivation to live out the gospel. Those that we know and those we don't know yet should be the fuel for why we want to live it out, to share it, to be transformed by it ourselves. I care because I saw Damar Hamlin collapse. And that act of witnessing that created a connection between him and I. I suffer because he is suffering. We suffer because we know others are suffering around us. And I feel joy when he is recovering, when he is being made well and can breathe sort of a sigh of relief when I see him improving. Frederick Beekner, a Christian author, puts it this way. He says, compassion is the sometimes fatal capacity for feeling what it's like to live inside somebody else's skin. It's the knowledge that there can never really be any peace and joy for me until there is peace and joy finally for you too. It's this identification with the other, which is exactly what Jesus does with the incarnation that we started this whole series on. Matthew says this, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus has compassion on the sick. 
He has compassion on those who do not yet know the gospel. He is showing his mercy. And this drives Jesus to bring the good news. We've used this before, proximity, being near, right? You can't understand the most important things from a distance. You can't connect with compassion, right, without being a part of it without seeing the other, without identifying with what they might be going through. We don't share the gospel from this elitist position, from this sort of, um, I have a one-up on you, but rather as a beggar, right? Telling another beggar where to find bread. Matthew includes his calling in the midst of these healing stories because it is his healing. It is his acceptance It is the hospitality that Jesus showed him. The gospel means transformation. It means redemption. It means making everything new. And yes, he got to experience the truth of Jesus, but it was no less important than the acceptance that Jesus showed him. Now, if you haven't yet said yes to Jesus, if you haven't yet come to the table, if you will, then know that you're invited. Know that I invite you, know that Jesus invites you, and we want you to know you are invited. For the rest of us, I would say, what's your part in this bigger table? Who can you invite into a conversation, into hearing somebody's story, into sharing your story of faith? What barriers can you lay down that maybe keep you from expanding the table? And then second, where do you desire more gospel transformation in your life? Is it in the being? Is it in the saying? Is it in the doing? Which part of your life would you like to see God continue to work in? Because he is a God who is doing a new thing. That hasn't stopped during COVID. It doesn't stop when we first come to the table. He continues to do a work in us. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the bigger table that you have invited me to, that you have invited each one of us to. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. You're a God that invites us. You're a God who works in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Thank you, Pastor Wade, for um, this great message about how Jesus invites us all to the table. And truly, it is not the healthy who needs a doctor, but the sick. But so, so often, um, you know, um, we think we are not the sick ones, but actually all of us are sick because we are all broken. And when we are broken, we need Jesus, we need healing. And Jesus invites all of us, all of us to this table. And this table, um, this communion, the Lord's Supper, um, I love how this table is put right in front of the cross because it does remind us of the work of uh, Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to the cross. He's dying for us. And His resurrection, giving us all hope. Hope that we can be made new and we are being made new. And hope to everyone who thinks they are beyond help. So as we prepare our hearts to take this, to share in this table, um, let us remember all that Jesus has done, all that God has done through Jesus Christ to make way for us to come to the table. Let us pray. God, we thank you for your great, 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 great love for us. We thank you. And that we... We can never outgive you because we have nothing to give you, but you have given us all. You've given us yourself so that we might come to the table and share this meal with you. You are the chair of this table. You are the host of this table. And you invite anyone today um, that wants to come and that we don't have to... We don't have to... Um, I guess, make ourselves um, better, good, more perfect before we can come. You invite us all to come. Anyone who desires you, you say, come, come to the table. And at this table, we can experience new life, new hope. We can experience healing. But we can also bring before you all that we perhaps uh, we feel guilty about and things that we feel like we need to confess to you about. We can bring all of that to the table and we can lay that down. Because you have done all the work to say, come. So we thank you. Amen. This is the body of Christ given for the world, for our lives, so that we may have everlasting life. New life, flourishing life. Let us, let us eat this together. The blood of Jesus pour out for the world, for the forgiveness of sins, for a new life. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. As we close, would you just stand with us? And, um, you know, you, you may not be feeling like God is good today. You may not be feeling like uh, you know what his plan is for you. Um, for
for you in community or um, even here in Hong Kong. I know many of us have been through transitions recently. So um, as we sing, sometimes we sing with full awareness that these words flow out of us and sometimes we sing because we are just coming in faith. Um, hoping that God will do the work that he will do in us. So um, either posture is completely fine uh, to be in this space. God accepts you as you are and welcomes you um, here to just worship with whatever you have. Uh, let us just come before him and sing.
Amen. Amen. It is good to be together. And we are alive in Jesus Christ because of what he has done. Amen, church? Amen. Um, as every service, we have our prayer ministers up here that would love to pray with you. And maybe you're here today and you haven't taken that step towards Jesus Christ. Maybe today is that day. Our prayer ministers would love to pray with you. We have Andrew and Solomon up today. Uh, maybe there's somebody in your life you're wanting to invite into conversation. You're wanting to invite to share the good news with. Maybe be prayed for today. Maybe there's an area in your life and in your heart that you want God's continued work. Um, again, our prayer ministers would love to pray with you. If you're new to us, community, uh, so good to have you. Uh, do come to the welcome table. Um, we have a little gift. We'd love to help you get connected here um, because we're really church family, and we all sort of pitch in those. So thank you, worship team, for leading us. Thank you, sound booth. Thank you, ushers and teachers um, for making community church community church. After our second service today, uh, many of you know Ray Warhola and Gail Maidment. Um, they moved to Australia just over two years ago. Um, Ray has felt a call to ministry and has went through an ordination process um, over this last year and a half. And so we'll have that ordination um, here today after the second service. So if you want to come back for that, you are definitely welcomed. Church, let's go out with God's blessing today. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Go forth in hope, church. It's no longer